police. Nothing personal word of the day. Not for the reason you may think I'm talking about the band with Sting. I like starting these shows. Coca doesn't, but I like starting them with a song. Message in a bottle. That's a song by the police. I think it was Andy Summer, Sting, and the other guy. Isn't that how everyone refers to the police? There's three guys, great band. Message in a bottle. When you run a team, you often you have two choices, right? Generally, you can be very direct with your player or you can be completely What's the opposite of direct, Coca? We didn't even rehearse this because we don't even rehearse. We just talk like a bunch of yo-yos every night and every day. You can either be indirect or direct with what you do with your players. You can tell them where they stand, be completely honest, or you can let your actions speak for you and let the players sort of discern what's happening. The Green Bay Packers have a situation that has been percolating for over a year. Do you remember last year's NFL draft? They the Packers drafted a quarterback named Jordan Love, and there was a bit of a outcry amongst Packers fans, saying, "You have disrespected Aaron Rodgers. You have drafted his heir apparent, and he's not even that good. Maybe he's going to be good. He could be good, but Aaron is our guy." Aaron Rodgers came out the following season, which was last season, and had a terrible year. All he did was win the NFL MVP. That's it. Other than that, he wasn't good. Made it all the way to the NFC, probably divisional round, losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. But Aaron Rodgers is clearly still a top five quarterback in professional football. So cut to this year. What we've seen this offseason are teams who are doing anything they can to lower the cap hit of a particular player or of a group of players. We've read about all the renegotiations. The blanks have saved 8 million by restructuring the contract of John Doe, thereby saving $7 million of cap space in 2021, where the cap is now 182 and a half, and it was projected to be in the 190s. So teams are struggling to stay under the cap. And what they're doing is restructuring contracts because the sort of rule is that if you have a signing bonus instead of a roster bonus, then you get to spread that signing bonus over the course of the cap. Let me explain the difference. A roster bonus is what you get for the sun coming up on a particular day. I believe we just had one with Kirk Cousins who got 35 million coke. I, I think I may be making this up. I have some recollection that Kirk Cousins woke up on a day this month and got $35 million that was guaranteed to him because he was alive and he was still on the roster. So that's a roster bonus where you get promised a certain amount of money by being on the roster on a certain day. A signing bonus is a m amount of money that you are promised because you signed a contract, but that doesn't mean you get that money. That money can be paid. We were the king of deferring signing bonuses with the Marlins because you get to spread it out over five years or 10 years or however many number of years you want to, and that helps the cash flow. It doesn't change what your payroll is for luxury tax purposes in baseball, it, but it does change how the cap is calculated in football. Let me just explain that a little slower for you. In baseball, there is a calculation about what your payroll is for luxury tax purposes, but then there's a calculation of what your cash payroll is. 
When you're a team that's nowhere near the luxury tax threshold, you care only about your cash payroll. When you are a team right at the luxury tax threshold, you care far more about your luxury tax payroll than your cash payroll. Got that? So the the Green Bay Packers had a situation with Aaron Rodgers that just came up where he was due a roster bonus. Except what other teams have been doing this offseason is converting how this is allowed is beyond me because Roger Goodell and the players union should realize that there really is no salary cap. It's sort of a myth. It's sort of a fagazi. I'm not as good as Matthew McConaughey and Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street when Matthew McConaughey hits his chest while ordering his fourth martini and talking about what he does every day in order to be good and successful on Wall Street. And then somehow he hits his chest and sings some chant. I can't quite do it. I try to do it every time I watch the movie, waiting for the Margot Robbie scenes. So in any case, the Green Bay Packers had a date come this week where they owed Aaron Rodgers a roster bonus. And they had an opportunity to convert that to a signing bonus the way the other teams have done this offseason, except the Packers never called. They never asked Aaron Rodgers to renegotiate the contract. They never asked Aaron Rodgers to convert the roster bonus to a signing bonus. So why? Why would they choose to make that decision? Well, we dug a little deeper and here's what we found. When you convert a roster bonus to a signing bonus, you get to save cap space that next year. That's a bonus. That's why teams are doing it. But where's the rub? You always have to pay the piper. Later years, you end up with more quote unquote, dead cap space, because you will be paying the signing bonus, the newly created signing bonus for a player who may or may not still be on your team. So the trade-off is you get a benefit today, you pay the price tomorrow. I like that. I used to be a big fan of not paying the price today and pushing it off to tomorrow, wait for tomorrow. We'll worry about tomorrow when it comes. Tomorrow always came. Very strange that way. Not just the sun that comes up every day, but bills come due. So the Packers said to themselves, we have a choice here with our franchise player. We could call him up and say, excuse me, Aaron, we're going to reward you and thank you so much for winning the MVP and for getting us close. We know that you're playing at 37, turning 38. We know that Drew Brees was good till 41. Brady's been good till 49. I know he's 43, Coca, but he may be good till 49. He signed till 45. We want to keep you around. So we're going to convert your roster bonus to a signing bonus. And we're going to get some better players around you this coming year. But they didn't do that. What that means is they've got Jordan Love ready to go. And they think that Aaron Rodgers last year with the Packers is going to be this year. So they don't want the dead cap hit the following year in 2022 when Jordan Love in theory takes over with two years still left on his initial four-year rookie deal. Jordan Love signed a four-year deal when he was drafted by the Packers. He sat last year. That's one year done. He's going to sit next year. That's two years done. But then he better play or else you don't know what you have. So the Packers would get two years of Jordan Love and then maybe hopefully uh, sign his fifth year rookie 
year option so they could get three years before deciding whether or not he's the next franchise quarterback following Favre and Rodgers. But if you had no plans to do that with Jordan Love, then you clearly would have converted Rodgers. So this is quite fascinating what happened. I'm not sure why Packers fans aren't up in arms. Maybe they know Aaron Rodgers can only be good for one more year. But the executives who run the Packers are very aware that they've got him for one more year and then they're going to move on. So that's what I think is going to happen. And sometimes players get told something directly. Sometimes they have to look inside a bottle and look for that little message. Police message in a bottle. Sometimes messages are not easily discerned. Sometimes messages hit you right over the head. What do you got, Coca? You know what I want? <laughs> I wanna talk to Samson. So you wanna talk to Samson. That's a segment we do where you get on Twitter at David P. Samson, hit follow. You can go to YouTube as well and follow us on Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Coca, side note, I'm going to try to land this plane. We said when we got to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, we have way many more people listening. Thank you so much on Apple and Spotify. You download, subscribe, and keep doing that. But YouTube is where you can see what blazer I'm wearing. You can see what I do during the course of a show because we film 45 minutes a day. And we don't edit it, whatever I do, if I cough, if I sneeze, if I fart, whatever I do, it's coming on the show. I just have a button where I can press. You can't hear it all what I'm saying. Did you hear me do that just now? But we had said when we get to 2,000 YouTube subscribers, we are going to send a gift, a random gift to one of the subscribers. Coco, we forgot to ask, how do we know the names of the subscribers? So Coca, that's up to you. If you could figure that out, we'll do a random number and then we'll look at the number of subscribers. We'll choose that number and that's who will win. So keep subscribing on YouTube, keep downloading and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. So you wanna to talk to Samson though is something slightly different. That is where you get into my DMs on Twitter and ask a question. And then I'm gonna to get to it on the show if it's trending, worthy and exciting to me, or I'll try to answer it or not which is still different. Are you following this, everybody? Then the mailbag bonus episode. That's coming here at the end of March where you get on Apple, rate and review, write a review, and in a review, ask a question. And I may get to that in the mailbag episode. Hi, David. Hello. I do hello like Fezzik in Princess Bride, just so you know. Hello. That's how Andre the Giant did it. Hi, David. What would you do, if anything to the Marlin security guard in this story, colon. Spring training security guard bangs trash can during game at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. It used to be Roger Dean Stadium when I was there. Then they renegotiated their naming rights deal because they realized that no one knew who the hell Roger Dean was. Roger Dean is part of a great family. He's passed away now, but part of a great family in Palm Beach, Florida, and they have car dealerships. And so they decided, you know what? We better put the Chevrolet in there to make sure that people know that really we want them to come buy cars. So the stadium is now known, the Cardinals and Marlins share this stadium, which used to be state-of-the-art in Jupiter, and now it's getting old used to be the best spring training facility in the country. Now it is not. It's called Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. 
So the Astros were playing the Marlins recently, this spring training. And here's what happened. Roger Dean Stadium is a joint venture. Let me give you the business background. It is not owned by the Marlins or the Cardinals. It's owned by a company called Jupiter Stadium Limited. It was called that because this company was put together prior to a naming rights deal and the stadium is in Jupiter. So we just called it JSL, Jupiter Stadium Limited. We used to own Jupiter Stadium Limited, but then we, uh, when you sell the Marlins, the new Marlins take over as a member, as a partner in that company. So Jupiter State Limited is owned 50% by the Cardinals and 50% by the Marlins. And we operate it. The Marlins always took the lead in operating it because the Cardinals couldn't have cared less. So we had someone named Claude Delorme who Jeter's gotten rid of. So I don't know who he has running Jupiter Stadium, if anybody. Uh, but in any case, the the stadium is an entity that is completely run by the partnership between the Cardinals and the Marlins. Everyone who works there is hired by that entity. They're not Marlins employees. They're not Cardinals employees. They are Jupiter employees. So you've got concessionaires, you've got ticket takers, you've got ushers, you've got security people. And the majority of people working those details are retirees, people who come to Palm Beach, live in Palm Beach. It's their second career. So if you go to a spring training game at Jupiter, you'll notice it's a much different demographic than people who are serving you at Marlins Park or at Bush Stadium up in St. Louis. And amazing people, wonderful people. And I enjoyed speaking and talk, speaking to them. And during the course of games, I'd walk around during spring training games. If you've been to a spring training game at Roger Dean, when I was president of the team, you'd see me walking around the aisles and saying hi to people. It's a, spring training is this amazing, small atmosphere, very friendly. I'd wear just a polo shirt and jeans sometimes or polo shirt and khakis. Never had the guts to wear shorts. I wish I did because it can be H-O triple T during spring training. In any case, the security people wear a polo and it says security, and it's not really major security. Uh, it's just sort of minor security. So Alex Bregman was at the plate, and all of a sudden there was this noise. Do you hear that noise on the microphone, Coca? That's me hitting... No, that's not good enough. Let me try Romulus and Remus, see if that can do it. That's Romulus and Remus, folks. Romulus and Remus. Go to Rome, you'll see it. Anyway, you don't need to see it in Rome. You can go online. It's a beautiful sculpture. That's not the sculpture. That's just a little trinket. So I look at Romulus and Remus every day. One day I'll show you everything I'm looking at while I'm doing this show because you see what's behind me. I know what you're looking at, but you don't see what I'm looking at. I don't know why I was talking about Romulus and Remus. Oh, banging. So during the course of the Alex Bregman at bat, this all of a sudden there was a noise in Roger Dean Stadium and it was a bang. Oh my God. Someone was banging a trash can. The Astros got away last season without banging anything or hearing anyone bang at all anywhere because there were no fans in the stands. So there was nary a bang. It turns out people are remembering the sign stealing scandal and the fact that the Astros would bang on trash cans in order to get signs, in order to get know what the pitcher was throwing. And then it further turns out that Alex Bregman was the recipient of many of those hints that came through banging. 
Now, I'd like to argue that Alex Bregman is an MVP type player. And I think that he and Altuve will have great seasons with the Astros. And I'm not willing to say that their greatness was based solely on banging, much like I'm not willing to say that Barry Bonds' greatness was based solely on steroids. So cut to the banging. That's strange. I can't believe a fan would do that. But there's nothing we can do. I guess we have to make a rule. No bringing trash cans into the ballpark. And then people looked closer. And it wasn't a fan. It was an employee of Jupiter. It was an actual security guard who spent the entire at-bat banging the can. Bregman struck out, having nothing to do with the banging, I assure you. So the question you're asking is, what would I do? So here's how it would work. I went to out of, let's say, 15 home games for the Marlins, plus three road games where they played St. Louis. So 18 out of 31 games, I'd be at Roger Dean Stadium, plus four or five on the road. But let's just say the home games, I would be sitting either behind the plate, maybe up in a box, maybe with fans, wherever I'd be sitting. I would have heard that banging. And I would not have allowed that banging to go on during the at-bat. So the first thing I would tell you is the minute I heard it happening, I would look to see who it was. If it were a fan, that fan would be told to stop. If it were an employee, that employee would be told to leave. There is no room for that from one team to a next. We are all partners, all 30 teams. That's another dollar, Coca. They are all partners in baseball. What happens if I wouldn't be at the game? It would take a while for me to get that call because I don't know if I would hear about it from our team, our manager, our players. I'm not sure they'd say a word. They'd probably just laugh about it and not think it was a big deal. I'm not sure the person we hired to run Jupiter Stadium who worked for the Marlins Cardinals joint venture, I'm not sure that he or she would have contacted me. Maybe they would have contacted our head of operations, Claude. And Claude may have dealt with it and may or may not have brought it to my attention. If it got to my desk, I would get the facts. I would make sure that it was actually something that occurred and not that the security guard was trying to fish out some sort of ticking device out of a can or wasn't trying to get the attention of someone who was maybe hearing impaired because they were in danger of a flying bat or a flying ball. I would get the facts. Once I got the facts, it would take me all of, wait for it, one minute. And I wouldn't do this myself. This would not rise to the level of me doing the termination. I would just make sure that that employer, that employee was not invited back to Roger Dean Stadium. Why would I do that? Don't you think that when someone does something wrong, and they are punished for it, or they are not punished for it by the people who are in charge of doing the punishing. Isn't that when it's over? I do not believe in vigilante justice. I do not believe in sidewalk justice. I do not believe in keyboard justice. I personally believe in justice according to the rules and laws of your society. It's totally up to you how you would handle the situation. But for me, Fair play matters. If fans want to boo, I love it. 
I want Marlins fans to boo Astros until they're blue in the face, until they can't breathe because their vocal cords are so distended and bruised and swollen. I'm in. I want them to boo us, boo me. I never minded being booed. I got booed a lot. I never minded it. That is your right. You buy a ticket, you can boo. Don't you swear at me. Don't you throw a tomato at me. And don't you bang a can. So you want to talk to Samson. Okay. Wait to see is another thing we do. We have a wait to see that uh, is about Fernando Tatis Jr. I want to point out that uh, we're one of the only shows I know of, and I think you appreciate it, where we revisit every wait to see. Wait to see is when I say something's going to happen, either it will or won't, but you're going to hear about it either way because I'm not always right. Fernando Tatis Jr. had a ground ball. If you read the article, it's quite funny. Coke and I had an argument about this this morning doing show prep. And uh, it was a grounder that was taken by Tatis on the backhand. Tatis threw over to first base from short. He bounced it to Eric Hosmer. The Cincinnati Red runner was out. Tatis then put his hand on his hip, got met by Jace Tingler, the the Padres manager, the trainer. I don't know which trainer, probably the one who takes care of the fake books and walked off the field. He is going to get looked at again today. And everyone took a collective... (gasps) And it is quite apropos of the subject we discussed on a recent show, I don't remember which show, where we talked about injuries and how frantically concerned I would be every single day of spring training and every single day of the regular season, quite frankly, about injuries. So apparently Tatis, who's missed time already this spring training, only has 22 at-bats, by the way. We used to say to our players, how many at-bats do you need to be ready? And every player is different. Some players really wanted 50 at-bats. Some said, I'm good with 20 at-bats. Some needed 35 at-bats, and we would coordinate how many at-bats they'd get during spring Let's say there's 30 games and you get two at-bats for the first 10 games. That's 20. The last five games, you're going to try to get four at-bats each. That's another 20. The middle 10, you're going to get some days off. So whether it's 30, 20, 30, 50 at-bats. But for a player who has 143 games in the big leagues, it's not 22 at-bats. So let's start by saying that Tatis, in my opinion, is not ready for the regular season. This spring training, he's had a bunch of nagging injuries. He had the flu, a bunch of other stuff. And now he's got this shoulder discomfort. The Padres came out and said, don't worry, everyone. We signed him to a long-term deal, guaranteed him. I can't remember what it was, Coco. Was it 12-340? I don't know why that's in my mind, but it's in my mind. But whatever it is, a huge deal that Tatis has. And will he start the season? Is he going to be at Hurts? Is this what it's going to be like? Is there a chance he's going to have the first six years like Stanton had, where he plays 162 a couple of years, but he's got a bunch of injuries, where he doesn't play a bunch of games during a bunch of years? Who knows what it is? It was 14-340. Thank you, Coca. Well, here's my wait to see. Tatis's shoulder may be injured, but you can bet your bottom dollar that he will be in the opening day lineup for the San Diego Padres. Because even if it would make sense to hold him out and let it rest and take the long view of the 14340, uh-uh. Tatis will be in the lineup opening day of this season, which by the way is one week from tomorrow. You just wait to see. When we come back, we're going to We're going to review another documentary nominated for Best Documentary Feature. 
And we're going to have to talk again about what's going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson, because you need to know this update. We will be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. How are you? Thank you for making it through the gauntlet and for all of your support of Nothing Personal. We watch a movie and review it every day. I want to talk about a documentary that is right now available on your streaming service. And when I say that, it means I didn't write down which service I use because I use them all. I believe it is Netflix. It is called My Octopus Teacher. You may be saying to yourself, I don't want to watch a movie about my octopus teacher. What does that mean, my octopus teacher? Well, here's what it means. Chris Foster is a man who lives on the Western Cape in South Africa, way down, down at the bottom. He is a man who, when he was younger, he's a middle-aged guy now. He's in his 50s, I would say. I guess I'm middle-aged, I got to say that. How depressing. He's at the early part of his middle ages. When he was younger, he had gone to other parts of Africa and had learned how people in Africa could track animals in a way that he couldn't even understand. He couldn't fathom how these trackers could look at things that he couldn't see and track an animal for a hundred miles the same way that I can track a quarter pounder with cheese when I was 12 to the nearest McDonald's. This guy, Craig Foster, would go into the Atlantic Ocean and he would dive down to the bottom, not very deep, let's say 20 feet, without scuba equipment, just with a snorkel. 
he taught himself to hold his breath for long periods of time. And he would go down and try to learn about the underwater forest that is in the Atlantic Ocean. And he came across an octopus. This documentary, which sounds absolutely ridiculous, will grab you by the heart and hold you for the entire 85 minutes. It's a one phone check documentary. I checked my phone in the first 20 minutes of the 85 minutes because I wasn't fully understanding how the octopus was teaching Craig Foster anything once I realized he struck up a relationship with an octopus. Somehow he found the same octopus day after day. The documentary goes through the life of the octopus and the relationship between the octopus and this man. After 25 minutes, you won't check your phone one time. Tell me if you agree that this was a one phone documentary. I'm not so sure it's better than Crip Camp, but it's damn close. I'm not so sure it's better than Time, which we've also reviewed, but it's damn close. It is a worthy Academy Award nomination for Best Documentary Feature. And I ask you to spend 85 minutes of your time and fully enjoy my octopus teacher. The thing that's interesting about octopi is they've got eight arms. There are a bunch of masseuses in Houston who feel like Deshaun Watson has eight arms. It's not really, that's not a good segue, is it, Coca? Is that bad? Are you gonna are you gonna edit out that segue? Of course you're not. We don't edit out segues. You just tell me after the show, don't ever do that again. How do you segue into the Deshaun Watson story? We had two words of the day a couple of weeks ago, identical, if you recall from a show, and it was frivolous. And then we used the second day the same word, frivolous, because I was so upset with Tony Busby, the lawyer in Houston, when he threatened to sue Deshaun Watson, said he had 16 lawsuits and that he had a bunch of facts and he started trying Deshaun Watson through the press. And I was very disappointed that that is the society we live in where people get tried publicly before they have a chance to prove their innocence. Well, what's happened in the week since, or the two weeks or ever long since those segments were, is that Tony Busby has held a press conference Tony Busby, the lawyer in Houston, has filed 16 lawsuits against Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has secured a lawyer named Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden is a big-time defense attorney, a big-time attorney down in Texas. If you've done something bad and you're deep in the heart of Texas, you're hiring Rusty Harden. You're not screwing around. This guy isn't on contingency. He's not 100 bucks an hour. My guess is his rate, if I had a guess, is around eleven to twelve hundred per hour. He likely charges the way good upper middle big time New York attorneys charge. Rusty Harden has stayed relatively quiet, so has Deshaun Watson since the initial Deshaun Watson statement, which we examined when he said, I never have done anything disrespectful to women. And I told you on this show that someone should have told Deshaun that you should never say never. Because now what we have are 16 Jane Doe lawsuits. 
The reason why names are withheld is that there's no reason to bring further scorn or embarrassment or attention to a woman. It's hard enough to come forward and say you've been sexually assaulted. The, the law gives you an opportunity to stay, I can't think of the word, anonymous. Thank you. Thank you, Coco, for that. You were thinking it before I even had to say it. Rusty Harden is trying to get more information about these lawsuits. He can't even find out the name of the women. Deshaun Watson can't provide him with the name of the woman except for a couple. All of these 16 lawsuits are the same. Deshaun Watson wants a massage and then he wants a special massage. And then if he doesn't get it, he tries hard to get a special massage. Sometimes he wants more than a special massage. He wants the happiest of the happy endings and women don't want to do it. They feel uncomfortable. Then they cry. Then they run away. Some of them come back and do another massage. Some of them don't. Some get flown in to give a massage. Some don't. Some are surprised when he's naked. Some aren't. But Rusty Harden went on the offensive yesterday, but he started with the caveat that you now have to start with in society, and it's well that you do, acknowledging the seriousness of sexual assault acknowledging how difficult it is for women to come forward, acknowledging the right of women to perform their job without worrying about being harassed or assaulted or inexcusably touched or inappropriately touched. All of those things are true. And they need to be said because we've learned, especially if you listen to Levitard's local show with me every week, we've learned that while we used to be able to say some things go without saying, we can no longer do that in this society. Everything must be said. So we are stuck with statements where things are said that we know are perfunctory. But then Rusty Harden went scorched earth. He basically took the opportunity to say that in his opinion, the court of public opinion has already tried Deshaun Watson. And it is his belief that nothing inappropriate has taken place. In fact, he has proof that one of the Jane Doe's called up a representative of Deshaun Watson said, give me 30 K and I'll stay KK quiet. You want my silence? It's 30 K. She must not have seen Deshaun Watson's extension that kicks in right now because 30 K for silence. You got to do better than that. You got to ask for more than that in a negotiation. You're never going to get your first ask. So apparently this person called and said, I want 30, meaning she obviously would have settled for like a grand. You go in and ask for a million and then settle for 30 grand. Why would she be looking to be to cash in? Is that because the case isn't true? That's where Rusty Harden got it wrong. When people are willing to settle and get paid for their silence, it's not because the underlying action didn't happen. It's because maybe they just don't want to bother with the publicity. Maybe they don't want to bother trying to fight against the, the most famous athlete in Houston right now, the best player in Houston on any of the professional teams right now. Maybe their view was that's a view that the climb is not worth. That is a level of squeeze that will not produce enough juice. So it's not enough to say that someone asked me for a payoff to be silent. That does not automatically say that the underlying event did not happen. 
Deshaun Watson has a problem on his hands because the NFL can no longer ignore this. You could have one Glenn Close-like person going after you, boiling your bunny, taking Ann Archer's bunny and boiling it on the stove. That's possible. NFL will look the other way with that. So will every other league. I've seen a lot of boiling bunnies in my life. Not because of me. I'm talking about with other people with whom I've worked on the field. It happens. It doesn't work out well for the person who does the boiling of the bunny. I can promise you that. I've seen that over the years. So I don't know why we're talking about boiling bunnies, Coca. Do you? Ah, the NFL can ignore the boiling bunny. What they cannot ignore is when there are 16 different women who are now alleging similar conduct. Do you know who else can't ignore it? The Houston district attorney. When presented with evidence, they're going to have to convene a grand jury. I'm not making a wait to see because I want to do a wait to see based on someone's legal issues and based on someone potentially being a serial sexual assault. But I believe a grand jury will have to be convened because there's too much right now. You can't ignore this. So what does Deshaun Watson do next? Deshaun Watson allows his lawyer to call it a circus atmosphere. He allows his lawyer to try to do the bait and switch where you're worried about what's happening on your right hand. So you get people to focus on your left hand while all the action's happening over here on your right hand. But Deshaun Watson has a bigger problem than that because he's trying to get traded. Who's going to trade for Watson right now? Coker said to me before the show that everybody will trade for Watson. He's one of the top three quarterbacks in football. It depends on what the Texans are asking. If the Texans are asking for two first rounders and a mediocre player, who's not going to trade for Watson? I'm not. I don't want the aggravation. I just don't. I will make a call, however, to the NFL. And the call I'm going to make to the NFL will go like this. Hey, Raj, quick question for you. What is the maximum penalty that you think you're going to give to Deshaun Watson if it turns out that he wanted a happy ending from 16 different masseuses when he didn't get it? He would take his erect dong and he would have it pressed against a woman trying to get her to give oral sex. Thoughts? Is that six games? Ten games? Is that a season? I just got to know. I guess you'd call the NFL and find out if you could get through the issue of trading for him in the first place. Then Roger Goodell would say, listen, I don't know anything. We're just starting our investigation. And I'd say, how long will the investigation take? We got to gather the evidence, David. This could be three months. Well, will it be done by the beginning of next season? We'd like to obviously have it done because if he's going to be suspended, we'd like to get that done when the season starts as opposed to having the Texans in the race somehow unlikely and then having them suspended for six games during the season or having them suspended for playoffs. We would definitely would not want that. So we're going to try to wrap this up if we can before September, but it's already March and these things take time. Well, Roger, what's your view? Should we trade for him? I can't answer that. You know that I'm the commissioner. I can't show favoritism toward one team versus another. But what I can tell you is we are definitely investigating and you just ought to be careful about what you are going to give away in terms of assets to acquire. And then I say back, but Raj, he signed for five more years. If you suspend him for a year, he still has four years to play. I'm going to get to Sean Watson for four years. And then Raj says, but what about the possibility that you're going to be offending and upsetting 
half of the demographic that you're trying to attract to the ballpark, half of your fans. And I'm going to say, my fans don't give two rats asses. I don't think that's an expression. I think it's just a rat's ass. I don't know why I doubled it. Trying to make an even bigger point. 150% certain that my fans just want to win. They don't care what some guy does off the field. And Roger responds, that may have been true before, but you better put your pulse on 2021, my friend, because things are just a bit different now. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't think Deshaun Watson gets traded. I have a way to see that he isn't traded, having nothing to do with the fact that he's now involved in 16 lawsuits. He's not going to get traded because there's no way the Texans are trading a quarterback that good. But now are they going to trade him? Did they set this entire thing up through Cal McNair and his neighbor, Tony Busby, in order to get him traded because they know there's going to be NFL teams who will trade for him no matter what he's done because it's only sexual assault on a masseuse? Come on, GMAB. Don't be a conspiracy theorist in that way. Deshaun Watson staying with the Texans. He is going to get suspended. The invest if he is found to have engaged in this activity. When 16 people have come forward, it's mighty possible that it's true. But he still deserves all the evidence to be heard and a fair hearing if it's criminal by a jury of his peers and a fair hearing in a civil suit if it's a jury of his peers. Mark my words, however, either way, this is not going to trial, civil or criminal. Nothing personal pick of the day. Damn it. Did anyone else out there know the Lakers would stink so badly without Davis and LeBron? I really thought that they would have a chance to getting five and a half versus the Pelicans. I'm back to 14 over 500. I'm still happy with that. There's no doubt about it. But 38 and 24 is not as good as 38 and 23. Apologize, Dice. We're coming back. We've taken the Nuggets. We're taking the favorite. The Nuggets are favored by one point over the Raptors. We're staying in the NBA. Nuggets minus one over the Raptors. The Raptors have several things going on right now. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, which is the day after tomorrow, which is uh, today's two, uh, yes, Thursday is tomorrow. So the NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. Rumors are that Kyle Lowry could be traded to the Heat, could be traded to the Sixers. You've got Norman Powell who could be traded out of the Raptors. The Raptors are clearly not a good team. They're out of the playoffs now. I think that they're in there. They're seated somewhere below eighth, obviously, since they're out of the playoffs. And there's such distractions surrounding the Raptors that it's going to be very hard for them. Right before the deadline, when you've got a team that's a seller, not a buyer, which the Raptors clearly are, there's so much tension in the clubhouse and in the locker room. And I talk to individual players often and say to them, hey, you know, yes, we are looking to move you or no, we're not having any talks about you or there's some random talks, but I wouldn't expect you to be moved. But if it changes, I'll let you know. But still, there's tension about these players. They've been together for a few months. They're losing teammates. They know their season's not been good. They know changes have to be made, but that doesn't mean they want to lose their friends who they have been working with for months, years, including many who won a title together. But if you are the Raptors, and you are Masai Ujiri, you know very well that you've got a job to do. And the job that you have is that you've got to get your team good again. 
Kyle Lowry is a 35-year-old point guard who the Heat could certainly use, no doubt about that. But he's a free agent at the end of this year, and there's a lot of question whether Lowry will be traded. Those questions will be answered tomorrow, not today. Therefore, the Raptors have to go out and play today. The Nuggets are a better team. They're only giving one to a Raptors team that is struggling. I believe you will see the Nuggets win. That is the nothing personal pick of the day. All right, I want to talk about one more thing with the Raptors because uh, something happened that uh, caught my attention. They have a player named uh, Pascal Siakam. Do you know him, Pascal Siakam? The guy who signed the Max deal? The guy who was a role player in the championship team when they had Kawhi Leonard and all of a sudden he got a Max deal? And I'm not saying he shouldn't be paid for what he does. He's a great player, but... uh, I'm not sure he's a max player. So many players are max players in the NBA right now. It blows my mind. So the Raptors have this wonder kid coach named Nick Nurse. Remember him? Nick Nurse was the, he was the guy when the, the Raptors won the title. I think he signed an extension and they had the best executive in Ujiri. They had the best coach in Nick Nurse. They had the best team. They actually played well the year after, uh, Uh, Leonard left to the Clippers. There was a thought they had Van Fleet who became this great player for them after being a role player uh, uh, the year they won the title. Be that as it may, it turns out the Raptors, their window may be closing. Their Kawhi Leonard, Leonard, their Kawhi Leonard window already closed. And it's possible that Ujiri should have taken another job when he was looked at as the god of executives where he was being offered money, ownership, everything else, but he showed loyalty to Toronto because the Raptors are sort of ordinary right now. So when a good team that was good becomes ordinary and a player who's still young but has a max deal becomes emboldened and is looked at as a leader on the team, sometimes you have an issue like happened the other day when the Raptors lost yet another game and Pascal decided he had had enough. And he starts yelling at the coach, Nick Nurse, in public as the team is leaving the court. That is an absolute no-no. You do not show up your coach if you're a player. You do not do it. Hard stop. Zero exceptions. Don't tell me it's the emotion of the game. Don't tell me that we like this. We're going to keep this in-house and we're going to keep that fire. We're going to use that fire for positivity. No. When you show up your coach in front of your players, I don't care if it's in the clubhouse or I'm in the dugout in front of the cameras, we are fining you. The maximum we can fine you under the collective bargaining rules. The Raptors fined Siakam 50 grand. That was the report yesterday. And I said to myself, that's a pretty heavy fine under the collective bargaining agreement, but good for them. And then all of a sudden, The report, which came from a well-known scoop guy in the NBA, was said to be untrue when the Raptors PR department released a statement that the Raptors have not decided what, if any, discipline will be given to Pascal, but we can tell you for certain he has not yet been fined. That is disappointing to me. When you are running a team, You've got to act immediately to show that you are in control of that clubhouse and that you believe in the coach. Because when you do not take the coach's side, you have basically made it 
So he's fired. So unless Nick Nurse is done, you better be fighting. You better be fighting Pascal. So let's wait to see what happens there. Not an official wait to see, but I think they're not going to handle it internally. They will find it, but they may not even announce it. They will take Nick Nurse's side. That's the show today. I hope you enjoyed nothing personal. We give you 45 minutes every day, and you are nice enough to give us your time. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.